0: Hello, this is Everwonder from the California Science Center. I'm Perry Roth-Johnson. If you're like me, one of the first things you notice when you wake up is a weird taste in your mouth, followed by the realization that your breath smells bad. So you grab your mouthwash and get on with your day, hoping no one feels the need to offer you a breath mint. Ever wonder why your breath stinks? To find out, we ask Dr. Botbeleg Bor a scientist who studies the bacteria that live in our mouths with his lab at the Forsyth Institute. It turns out there are a bunch of microbes, including bacteria and other microscopic critters that live in our mouth. Collectively, scientists call this the oral microbiome. And going beyond our breath, they can affect our health in ways that we are just beginning to understand. Bot takes us on a tour of this crazy small world and the one corner of it that he studies, a super tiny bacteria called TM7. Let's get into it. Dr. Bot Beleg Bohr, you are an assistant member of staff and you're the leader of the Bohr lab at the Forsyth Institute. Bot, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you
2: for having me.
0: Yeah, and Jenny Aguirre, producer and now co-host of the show, is also here with us. Hi Jenny. Hey, Perry, and hi, Bot. So, Bot, we're thrilled to talk to a scientist like you because there's so much buzz and marketing lately around, you know, quote-unquote gut health and the microbiome, and I know you study bacteria, not the ones that actually live in your gut, but that live in your mouth. Uh, if I can just tell you a funny little story, we got the idea for this episode from one of our Science Center staff members who was asking the question, why does my breath stink? And we were like, huh, I kind of wonder about that sometimes, too. So, why don't we start there? Um what makes my breath smell bad?
1: Our breath smell because of uh, certain bacteria that we have in our uh, oral cavity. So the actual proper term for uh, smelly breath is a it, it could be a, a, a symptom. And these bacteria actually can be uh, sulfur-producing bacteria most of the time. And that sulfur compound that released from these bacteria, that's what makes the breath smell.
0: They, they produce sulfur which is like the same kind of thing i don't know i i remember i took this trip up to uh i think it was mount fuji and they have like sulfur coming out of the volcano sometimes they will like cook hard boiled eggs in the sulfur so that same stuff is like what's coming out of these bacteria in my mouth
1: yep exactly a uh, lot of the times these bacteria eat a lot of the sugars and things like that we eat right and then what the byproduct of that their their metabolism is a sulfur and then you smell that sulfur compound. Gross. Okay, cool. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, but you run your own lab studying the oral microbiome. What exactly is the oral microbiome?
1: Oral microbiome is actually a combination or community of bacteria in our oral cavity. It's many bacteria, microorganisms together. Um, and that includes not only bacteria, but oral microbiome actually contains Bacteria, archaea, viruses, and uh, fungi.
2: How many microbes are in our mouth?
1: If you, if we take a look at the actual numbers, they're about ten to the eight to ten to the nine. So that's one with eight zeros behind it. That many bacteria usually found per mill. Wow! Right? So there's actually a lot of bacteria, um, and then, <laughs> and then there are actually about. Uh, seven More than seven hundred species of bacteria have been detected in the human oral cavity, but per person it's about two hundred to two hundred fifty species per person.
2: Wow, so it's a huge diversity of microbes inside my mouth.
1: Absolutely. Uh, just, oh, just, wow. to, just to <laughs> give you an example, you know each person has about two to two hundred fifty species of bacteria. On Earth, there's only one species of human. Jeez.
2: And so I I have a question. How does that compare to the rest of the microbiome in other parts of our body? Like, let's say the gut.
1: So they're different, of course. Gut is much more, uh, um, I guess... Place where microbes actually can live longer because it's more uh, enclosed environment. Oral cavities, a lot of the times food and liquid going through. So it's more a transient environment. So in, in human oral cavity, you know, it's 200 to, to 250 species of bacteria. In the gut is about 1000 species. Um, so there's much more in the gut. but. If you go to other places like skin or uh, stomach or, you know, um, there's an eye microbiome as well, you know, things like that, the number of species goes down. uh, It's less than oral cavity. I see.
0: Okay. So we have all of these microbes, a lot of numbers, a lot of diversity of species. Um, What are they doing? Are there good microbes? Are there bad microbes?
1: Uh, It's a combination of both. Uh, It also depends on the situation as well. A lot of the times in a healthy human, there's a healthy microbiome. We think those microbiome or all the bacteria, let's say, they're actually good for you. They're there for you to help you. For example, a lot of the gut microbes, right? All, we cannot digest many food if they were not there. Without really? those bacteria, we won't be able to digest those food. Uh, I mean, lettuce or vegetable will be one, for example. Uh, our stomach cannot break those down. Bacteria breaks them down to smaller components, and then our gut absorbs them, right? Oh. So that's a good aspect of it. But what happens is a lot of these bacteria, depending sometimes the immune system or the environment can change. And a lot of these bacteria could turn into what's called opportunistic pathogens. So now they were your, you know, bacteria that used to live in you. Now suddenly, because there's a lot of amount of nutrition or the environment is right, they start to overgrow and that will stimulate the immune system even more. And then now it becomes bad for you.
0: So it sounds like it's really dependent on the environment. Like, the bacteria how we perceive the bacteria as being good or bad is like how it makes our body feel not so much that like the bacteria has an agenda you know And it's like it's automatically bad or good by default I get exactly that right?
1: exactly absolutely so you know there's uh um, it there's you know microbiologists or people who study bacteria right and their thought process is actually, you know, these microbes not, you know, they're not good, or they're not bad. They're trying to just simply try to live. All right, just like us, they're trying to survive. So if there's food, they're gonna grow. If there is no food, they're gonna starve and go into dormant state, etc, etc. So those kind of situation then leads to, you know, uh, whether it's disease, health, or just kind of stay neutral.
0: Okay, but I do want to focus on uh, one common bad thing that might happen, like when I go to the dentist and the dentist is looking for cavities, uh, are these microbes in my mouth the things that give me the cavities? Are these bacteria?
1: Yes. So the overall hypothesis is actually um, your oral bacteria, they're, you know, couple that are more uh, people think more pathogenic than the others, right? Bacteria like S-mutants or uh, uh, Pervitella or, you know, they're acid-producing bacteria, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens is these bacteria actually eat sugar and then produce acid. And the acid actually shown to break down your enamel, which is the surface, the co- you know, the coating of your teeth. Mm-hmm. And that once that surface enamel breaks down, then that is for what's ca- called cavity. It's, you know, uh, start to form these cavities in your old cavity. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but more and more studies have been showing that it's not maybe specific bacteria. It's actually a community of bacteria form these biofilms called plaques. And these plaques actually sit on a specific area and producing acid. And then that's where it gets a lot of the acid gets, or the enamel gets eaten up.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. I always thought that just like having sugar itself, like was rotting out my teeth. But I guess <laughs> there's this the middleman, you know, the bacteria gang that's converting the sugar into acid. And that's what's drilling a hole into. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, I got and it. What's really interesting is actually a lot of these cavities, you know, problem with cavities started after people start to actually eat sugar, right? After learning how to uh, process sugar, and then Suddenly, people start to have cavities, and this is actually a huge, you know, uh, transition in our diet as a humanity. That we see, you know, a lot of these diseases occur because we were able to uh, process sugar and have a lot more sugar in our diet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Let's talk about TM seven. That's what you're studying, right? That's right. What, what does it do mm-hmm. to us? How does it help us in our mouth and? Just anything about it. I mean, it's it's fairly new.
1: That's right. So TM7 is a bacteria, first of all. And it's a new area of study because these kind of bacteria hasn't really been studied for a long time. So we as a human society, we've been studying bacteria for a long time, about 366 years, give or take. Right Since the first time we actually saw bacteria under a microscope. And during this 366 years of studying bacteria, people saw, you know see a lot of different kind of interaction. So bacteria, one bacteria interacting with another bacteria or bacteria interacting with humans or different animals or different insects or different plants. So there's all kinds of these interactions. But these TM7 bacteria actually, interacts with other bacteria in such a way that it's different from anything we have ever seen before. These TM7s grow on the surface of another bacteria, and those kind of interaction haven't really been seen between two bacteria. It's been seen between different other organisms, but not like between two bacteria. And that's kind of why TM7 is really interesting, is that why these very small bacteria growing on another bacteria, and is it bad to them? Is it okay to them? You know, we don't know anything about this right now. And that's why it's so interesting.
0: I know we're on radio, but like, paint a picture for us. Like, what what does this thing look like? The host bacteria and the TM7?
1: Yeah, it's actually, uh, they they look like a little blob. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And they're just living on another blob <laughs> 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 that are a little bigger in size <laughs> okay. so so yeah there. most of the bacteria t m seven bacteria that we looked at they they shipped look like uh submarines, let's say
0: okay, and so the host bacteria is like this big submarine that has a bunch of little submarines stuck on the side of it, and those little submarines are t m seven yes, okay, okay
1: so. And, and we're talking about, this is at the micron scale we're yeah, talking about.
0: Yeah, I want to get yeah. into some of the scales because <laughs> bacteria already are confusing to me because they're so small. And I like to think about big things because I'm an engineer. <laughs> so um, how small is TM7 compared to, you know, the host bacteria or like more common bacteria that we might be familiar with? And then how does that relate to other things like, you know, a grain of sand,
1: for example? So... TM7 bacteria is about 200 to 500 nanometer in size. Uh, And then typical bacteria, or in this case, the host bacteria is about one micron, or that's equal to 1,000 nanometers, right? One to five micron in size, okay? Mm So TM7 is about, depending on the size of the bacteria, could be about one-fifth of the host bacteria. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, taking that you know, into a bigger picture, so typical bacteria that the host bacteria in this case uh, is about, you know, one to five micron, how how big or large is that? Um, so if you take a grain of sand from a beach, let's say, um, in Cancun, uh, <laughs> about 100,000 bacteria can live on a single grain of sand, what? okay? Now, if we translate that to a little bigger, let's say uh, if there's a tea, uh, teaspoonful of sand, uh, there's about six to seven billion bacteria can live on that. Whoa. OK, so that's about world population of human, right? Yeah. Now, if we scale up even larger on Earth, how many bacteria live on Earth? Uh, there's about 10 to the 30th power. So that's one with 30 zeros in the back Jeez. number of bacteria on earth and that i believe is uh, more than uh number of stars in our galaxy that's what i was
0: going to ask that. like that seems like the same order of magnitude as stars yep. that you might find in space
1: <laughs> yep so that's the number of bacteria live on earth
0: wow wow yep. okay so you have these smaller I think the technical term I've seen in in you and your colleagues papers like ultra small bacteria Mm -hmm. that live on other bacteria. Is that like a common thing for one bacteria to live on another bacteria?
1: You know, in the past, we have seen bacteria that actually invade into other bacteria. So there is a bacteria called predatory bacteria that actually goes and attaches, uh, in this case, a host bacteria, something larger. And then it actually goes inside the bacteria, grows inside the bacteria, almost like a virus, and then just bursts out and kills the host. So they call predatory bacteria. Oh, my gosh. Whereas TM7 bacteria actually goes and binds to the host, and it lives on the surface. It never goes and invades the host bacteria. It just lives on the surface, divides on the surface. And as far as we can tell, they also seem to... um, let the host live as well. They don't completely just kill off the host bacteria. They actually let the host live. So they're all more in a symbiotic relationship.
0: So they're kind of like barnacles on a ship. Like the barnacles <laughs> yeah, so, aren't drilling through the ship's hole. They're just like happy there. They're happy that yeah. the ship takes them around and they can get food. Okay.
1: Yeah. And, and, and a lot of the times, you know, it's advantages, right? So if you want to think about in the symbiosis, these TM7s don't want to kill off their host bacteria because they want to have a host that they want to keep living on. So they want to keep them alive to a certain level.
2: So not a lot is known yet about ultra-small bacteria, but what has been the most exciting to you in your work? What what gets you excited about going into the lab every day and studying microbes?
1: I think I want to answer that at two levels. I want to go in the lab and study bacteria, Um, first and foremost, I wanted to study these TM7 bacteria because they actually, you know, this is not just some small bacteria living in, you know, uh, human oral cavity, but TM7 bacteria or TM7-like bacteria actually is a very large in diversity. Uh, At the current estimate, so these TM7 and their cousins, they call right, Mm -hmm. family of bacteria, they actually take about 26% of roughly 26% of all bacterial diversity. Wow. Um, that actually tells you how much of the bacteria out there actually may have these small bacteria that live on them symbiontly or called episymbiontly on the surface, uh, living on the surface of other microorganisms. So by studying TM7, we're actually also kind of looking into these, all these other uh, small bacteria that live out there, then we have very limited understanding. Currently, only these TM7 bacteria has been cultured in the lab and has been studied very rigorously, whereas these all other bacteria that share very similar uh, traits, we don't know nothing really about them. So that really makes me get excited and you know want to learn more about these TM7s and how they actually contribute to our you know not only human uh, health and disease and things like that but also to our environment what are they doing to our environment how are they shaping our uh, environment right because they because they grow on other bacteria they have such a close relationship with these other bacterial communities as well and on a higher n- level I think you know studying bacteria in general is very interesting because of their size because of their uh, uh, number. There's so many bacteria, there's so many different bacteria, there's so many different microbiomes. Human microbiome, you know, you can take different human body sides and there's so many different human microbiome we can study. And then beyond that, there's, you know, every surface, your table, you know, there's actually a lot of studies on uh, uh, our work environment, like in the in the office or in the building or in the, in our house, you know, yeah. where are the microbes? Where do they locate it? How do they live, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of those have been studied. And I, that really gets me excited about, you know, why microbes, you know, such a common, yet we know so little about. Um, I think one of the biggest examples, you know, there's uh, uh, on Twitter, actually, you know, I'm going to shout out to the Micronauts. Uh, yeah, who loves to study microbes. And, you know, we kind of think of the opposite, you know, a lot of uh, astronomers wants to, you know, use the big telescopes to look out and look, look for all the stars and, you know, different planets, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. A lot of the microbiologists are, you know, we wanted to take the microscope and look down, you know, into small things that we cannot see. And want, we want to, you know, understand their world and how they behave, right?
0: I think that's a great point you just made, Bot, because so much of the science world was obsessed with the James Webb Space Telescope that recently just, uh, you know, made it into um, its parking spot in space. Uh, And and you guys are kind of like turning James Webb around and shrinking (laughs) the world down and trying to figure out what the heck is happening on these
2: tiny little things, growing (laughs) on on,
0: on other tiny little things.
1: (laughs) That's right.
2: Okay, so we're going to change gears a little bit for a minute. And I wanted to ask, how did you get interested in studying the oral microbiome? Did you want to become a dentist, perhaps? (laughs) Actually,
1: not quite. So I did my uh, PhD or doctorate studying um, human cells and how they move and uh, how they're, you know, what are the tools that they use to move around? And while that I was studying that, I actually ran into you know studies of these bacteria where they are looking at these bacteria called *Listeria monocytogenes*, which actually invades human cells. And then within the human cells, they move around, they zip around really fast. And then whenever they're ready, they will you know, zip around so fast that it will actually move through the cell membrane, puncture them, and move into the next human cell, right? So that's how they infect cells. And after studying this bacteria, I I really wanted to study bacteria and, and, you know, wanted to get in this field.
2: And if we take it back a little bit more, what about science in general um, caught your attention? Maybe as a kid, something maybe started that spark?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I would say, I would say my high school biology teacher, uh, Angie Feather, her name is, she actually was probably inspired me in studying uh, biology because in our biology class, I actually took you know, regular biology class, and I I did really bad. Um, my English was back then not so good either. I'm originally from Mongolia, so my English was not so good. And I did pretty bad. I think I got like B minus or something in the regular biology class. But she, my biology teacher, said, oh, you should take the AP biology. You might like it better. So I took the AP biology class. I remember studying, you know, all these different concepts, chloroplasts, you know, electron transfer chain or, you know, different biochemistry uh, 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 metabolism or different stages of these processes, and I just fell in love with it. And I remember reading these AP biology books, and my English again was not so good, so I translated almost every book um, to it's actually Mongolian? every word into Mongolian to actually try to understand. Oh Wow! wow. Yeah.
2: yeah, no, I I can definitely relate to that. I was horrible in biology, and then fell in love with microbiology in college. <laughs> Um, but but, do you have any advice you'd like to share with kids that are in high school who might be thinking or considering a career in science? Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. My biggest advice will be to follow your interest and commit to it. If you're doing something that brings out passion and your effort and your hard work and, you know, If something brings that out of you, that's the the thing you want to follow. And for me, that's that's what biology did. When I started studying these concepts and, you know, ideas, I started to realize that I can be a scientist and I can come up with these kind of ideas and do research and, you know, really Mm -hmm. push the boundaries of science, you know, small, but still, you know, push the boundaries of science um, in my own way. And that's what I wanted to do.
2: Yeah, even if it's small, it's a step forward. So that's great.
0: Absolutely. That's a great message, Bot. And where can people follow you online and find your work? I know you're on Twitter.
2: (laughs) Yes,
1: you can always follow me on Twitter and uh, also on our Twitter you'll see our lab website. You can go on there and read about our research and as well as the Bohr lab members.
0: What's your Twitter handle, BOT? Uh,
1: my Twitter handle is at uh, BOT Blake All
0: right. It's been wonderful talking to you, BOT. Thanks for giving us a peek inside our mouths and the tiny things living in there. Uh, appreciate you joining the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, BOT.
0: That's our show, and thanks for listening. Until next time, keep wondering. Ever Wonder from the California Science Center is produced by me, Perry Roth-Johnson, along with Devin Stewart and Jennifer Aguirre. Liz Roth-Johnson is our editor. Theme music provided by Michael Nicholas and Pond5. We'll drop new episodes every other Wednesday. If you're a fan of the show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people discover our show. Have a question you've been wondering about? Send an email or voice recording to everwonder at californiasciencecenter.org to tell us what you'd like to hear in future episodes.